0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Tonight I want to talk to you about cultivating a possibility mindset. Cultivating a possibility mindset. This is really hard for me um, because, you know, uh, I was born a hundred years ago. It was a long, long time ago, let me tell you. Um, I was born in the 50s, can you believe that? And so, um, you know, I grew up with the Beatles. The Rolling Stones used to play just down the road from where I was living in Twickenham. And uh, that's how it all started. I remember going to see Pink Floyd at the Royal Albert Hall. I was 15 years of age. Set the controls to the heart of the sun. I mean, it was just, um, that was the kind of era I grew up in. Thank you, appreciate that. All the people with grey hair here. And uh, it's so funny, you know, when my kids come to me and say, Dad, you have to listen to this song, it's so awesome. And I say, yeah, it was written 45 years ago, I remember when it first came out. And I go, really? Uh, so, so that's kind of my era. And one of the things about that era I grew up in, it, it, it wasn't the most faith-filled era. Uh, in, in fact, I would say that, that particularly Europe and Britain, now I don't know how it was in New Zealand at that time, but, but certainly in the UK and in Europe, there was a lot of cynicism. Uh, people were very cynical um, and, and mistrusting of government and mistrusting of the narrative that was being spoken. And so by the time we got to the 70s, you know, everyone was mistrusting what government was saying. That's why there were so many protests um, about Vietnam and stuff like this. And so it became quite cynical and people were kind of looking for meaning. And that's when you got hippies and flower power and all of that stuff emerging. And, and it was interesting to me that when I came to faith at the age of 22, um, and I really met God in a powerful way, that God um, gave me Americans to disciple me. Which is really interesting, because my father hated Americans. So, so I grew up in a household where my father was incredible. If you're American here, I just want to apologize already. Um, I have no problem with Americans now. In fact, I feel a great debt towards the way I was discipled by Americans, but my father, he said, you know, I said, why do you hate Americans so much? And he said, and it all goes to do with the fact that they took three years to come into the war, that we were fighting on our own, you know, slight resentment there. And then when they did come in, you know, he said, there's only three problems I have with Americans. They're overpaid, they're oversexed, and they're over here. (laughs) That That was a very typical British mindset, I can tell you, at that time. Um, and, and so the irony was that when I got saved, Americans were discipling me. So, so not only did my father hate the fact I'd come to faith, he hated the fact that it was Americans influencing me now. But here's the thing that, that in God's wisdom he did was, have you ever made an, met an American who doesn't have a possibility mindset? It's like any, if you're American, you could be the next president of the United States, you know, there's this, there's, everything is possible, there's, it's so it's very deeply rooted in their culture. And and for somebody like me, who didn't believe anything was possible, oh, that's never going to happen, I was a bit like Eeyore. Have you ever read Winnie the Pooh? Oh, that's never going to happen. Uh, may as well commit suicide. And uh you must have read Winnie the Pooh. There's so much deep theology in Winnie the Pooh, um, and, and and sort of my mindset was like that. I was just a child of my generation. Um, but I've noticed something today that that there's a it's kind of swung the other way. That millennials now, if you were born around about 1983 onwards, um, up to about, <laughs> up to about 2003, you're you're a millennial. Yeah. yeah okay. Now, now millennials, you know, my problem in my generation was cynicism. Your problem is what I call wishful thinking. (laughs) Do do, do you know what I'm saying? So so I just want you to know, while I'm pointing the finger at you, there's three pointing back at me. I had my issues I had to deal with, but I know what your issues are. And, And wishful thinking, how do you know? How do I know there's so much wishful thinking? Just look at X Factor. Right? Every single one of them believe that they are the next gift to the world as a singer. And it's like, oh my goodness, did anybody? Yeah, well, my mum told me I've got a great voice. Your mum's been lying to you. You have a terrible voice. Go away. It takes a, it takes a Simon Cowell to sort of bring reality to some people's lives you know and occasionally and occasionally somebody gets up there and says well I sing a little bit and then they just blow you away um, but you've kind of got these two extremes that are going on that I find uh, in in the generations you've got some people who are really kind of baptized in negativity cynicism that'll never happen and then you've got the other end of the spectrum is wishful thinking you know the 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 word that is often used to describe millennials is, is their sense of entitlement. Because they went along to sports games and got a prize for not winning. Just for showing up. I mean, that's a real failed parenting strategy, that. Uh, because life isn't like that. You, you don't get a prize for showing up. You actually have to achieve something. Is that okay? Okay. And so, you know, you know, millennials, we have to apologize to you for our failed parenting strategies. You've, you've really got to wake up and smell the coffee and, and, and move from wishful thinking to real possibility mindset. Let, let me illustrate to you. If you guys have got the little movie bit, we're going to look at an excerpt from Dumb and Dumber. This illustrates what I mean. Have we got that, guys? What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me? Ending up together. Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. I mean, we really don't... Hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, married. Just... least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say... More like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. (sighs) Yeah! (laughs) That's wishful thinking. (laughs) You know, more like one in a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Wishful thinking sort of hangs on to the, the whole notion that it's just ridiculous. Now, when I talk about a possibility mindset, I'm not, I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about sitting there and just hoping something good is going to happen. I'm talking about something that's much more deeply rooted in the nature of God. Let me read some scriptures to you um, just to help you with this. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said to him, he's talking to the father now who's, who's got a son who's, who's been uh, plagued with, 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 with a demon and, and uh, has got all kinds of issues. He said, if you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. Now, remember the word believe and the word faith are exactly the same word in the Greek. I know know we translate them differently. It's the Greek word pistis. So, to believe is is actually more of a verb. To have faith is more of a noun. Um, But it's the same word in the Greek. So, So, when he talks about if you can believe, in other words, if you can have faith, then anything is possible to him who believes. In Jeremiah chapter 32, God speaks to Jeremiah, and in verse 26 and 27, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? What a great question. Is there anything too hard for me? You know, and sometimes we look at our situations in life, and we look at our circumstances, or we're looking at something that we're finding particularly difficult, but it really isn't difficult for God. Do you get this? He introduces himself to Jeremiah. He says, I just want to remind you, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. I'm the creator. I'm the guy who made this stuff. I know how it works. I put it together. Is there anything too hard for me? And and then just the final scripture to to throw at you is, is from Genesis 18, where God is speaking to Abraham. And this is where God has promised Abraham that he'd have a son. And it says this, um, he, you know, Abraham is incredulous. He says, well, you know, 25 years have gone by, God, since you promised me this word. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. And then God says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Genesis 18, 14. I, I love that because in, in this particular text what we get introduced to is the notion that there's always an appointed time for the Word of God. Yeah. And, and the difficulty that we have is sometimes God will give us a promise, and then there's a gap between the promise and the fulfillment. Yeah. And the challenge is how you know, negotiate that gap between promise and fulfillment. And, and the, the idea is that God wants to develop us as people. He wants to develop our capacity for faith. And, and if you look at Abraham's journey, his whole journey was about growing in his capacity for faith, to believe God. And, and that's a capacity that, that in each of us is actually small at the beginning, but it's okay being small because small things become big things. Jesus said you just have to have faith like a mustard seed, and you can speak to a mountain and cast it into the sea. So it's, it doesn't matter how small something is because seeds become trees. And, and everything that's, that's demanded in the tree is in the seed. You know, I love it. If you cut open an apple, you can count how many seeds are in an apple. But if you cut open a seed, you can't count how many apples are in a seed. But they're there. It contains that DNA. And so every single one of us, I believe God wants to develop this kind of possibility mindset. Um, Let me read to you uh, another text, the final text, and then I'll unpack this a little bit and and we'll see what happens from there. Uh, In Luke chapter 1, this is where Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel. And uh, he's announced to her that that she's going to have a child. And if you're roughly a 14-year-old virgin and and somebody tells you you're going to have a baby, you know, that presents a little bit of an issue. And uh, her response to the angel is, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. We'll come back to that in a second. Then Mary said, Behold, the made the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Luke 1.37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Let me show you something on the screen here. I'm going to teach you a little bit of Greek, okay? A little bit of Greek. I won't do too much, um, but, but this is a little photo from Strong's Concordance, and it's breaking down the Greek for you. So um, let's put this little baby on. So that's the other side. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus and okay and that's not working on a digital screen okay here's what i want you to see try it here's the first word up there hoti for with para god theos nothing Ooh. then can you see an arrow and an arrow and then at the end shall be impossible at an ateo in other words there's two words in the greek that are not translated into english but they're there in the Greek text. Now, the writers had a problem when they were translating. The the translators had a problem when they came to this text because the issue was, this is a text full of meaning. How do we translate it? And they've done a pretty good job, actually, because in the context of the whole passage, we know Gabriel is giving a word from God to Mary. So we know it is a word from God. So they, they haven't done a bad job. But there's a better way to translate this that gets the emphasis right where Luke wanted it to be in the Greek. And, and just the two words, the first word is pass, which literally means all or every. Okay, all or every, that little word pass there, that first one that's not translated down, around, by the first arrow. And the second word is the Greek word rema, which literally means voice or spoken word. And so you've got one little word there, the U the word. It's translated as nothing, but it appears as not 1,210 times in the Bible, or no, around about 700 times. So, so if we were to rephrase this word, taking all of those Greek words together, here's a better translation for what the angel is saying to Mary. For with God... No word spoken by him is empty of power. How about that? For with God, that's worth a clap, I think. It's okay. You see, the word that's possible there or impossible there, uh, it means not to have strength, not to have power, all ability to be weak. But, but with God, no word spoken by him is empty of power. And so when God is speaking a word to you, in the word is the power to fulfill what he's asking you to do. You see, so often we put the emphasis on our ability to implement and to have faith in God's Word. But the power is not in your faith. Your faith is what releases the power that is in the Word. So when you look at the story of Peter, where he's in the boat with the other disciples and they're in the midst of a bit of a storm and all of a sudden Jesus comes along and he's walking on water. He is doing the impossible. And all of them see Jesus doing the impossible, but Peter responds in a way that is completely unique. It demonstrates that he had a possibility mindset. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come and walk on the water with you. He knew that he couldn't do that in his own strength. He needed a power to overcome a natural law. And so he asked Jesus, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. All I need is a word from you in order to do what you do. Now, the other 11 guys are in the boat, and they must have been thinking, you are crazy, man. Have you never read Newton's law? And he says, no, that wasn't invented yet. (laughs) But it was still operating. All of them in the boat had the same opportunity to ask the same thing of Jesus, but none of them did. They didn't have the mindset that that could be possible for a human being to do. But somehow in Peter's thinking, he's thinking, wow, Jesus is walking on water. I want to do that. What stuff have you been seeing that in you rises up and says, I want to do that? I remember the first time when I was 22 years of age, I went to a meeting and there was a young man, an American who became my pastor and mentor and I saw him preaching the word of God and he didn't use notes and he quoted about 40 different texts from the Bible and something in me said, I want to do that. Now I had to go through training, I had to be developed, but something in my heart said, if that's possible for him, that's possible for me. A possibility mindset. No word of God spoken by him is empty of power. He says, let there be light and there was light. Do you get this? So Peter gets out of the boat. Why does he get out of the boat? Because Jesus spoke one word filled with power. Come. I think that's the most powerful word ever spoken in human history. Come. It's an amazing word. Do you know the whole Bible ends with a come? The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who's thirsty come and drink from the water of life. It's an amazing word because the power to do what you want to do is in the word itself. And when you believe, you release that power and activity into your life. Isn't that good? What do you need God to do for you tonight? What are you holding out for? Are you like Eeyore? I've been there. You know, you've you got your head low. Oh, that's never going to happen for me. Who told you that? Who put that in your heart? Who told you it has to be that way? And see, I, I believe it can be different. I don't know if the guy's got this quote, but uh, it's by George Bernard Shaw. It was quoted by John F. Kennedy at the Irish Parliament in Dublin in 1963. Oh, there it is. This is a great quote. You see things, and you say why. But I dream things that never were, and I say, why not? (laughs) There's a whole lot of people looking at the world. They look at the war in the world. They look at famine in the world. They look at need in the world. They look at sex slavery in the world, and they say, why? They throw their hands up in horror. Why? If there was a loving God, why? I like George Bernard Shaw. He had a possibility mindset. I look at the things that never were, and I say, why not? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the problem, or are you looking at the God who's able to answer every problem? Are you looking at your inadequacy, or are you looking at the God who's more than enough for your inadequacy? Are you looking at the issue, or are you looking at the God who understands and knows all things and knows how to solve any problem. This is the kind of mindset that I think as God's people we've got to develop. Henry Ford once made this statement. Here's what he said. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Think about that for a moment. It's really clever. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Right. If you think you can, you can, and if you think you can't, you can't. And and what we've got to do is we've got to so let the Word of God get into our heart that its authority, its power, its ability is something that is beginning to release in our lives through our faith. It's beginning to release its activity. And, And more and more I'm convinced that this possibility mindset is what the world needs to see in the church. You see, so many times stuff is happening in the world, and we're playing catch-up. Everybody's playing catch-up. How about being ahead of the game? How about being ahead of the game? I love that in, in Antioch, there was a prophet who came along. His name was Agabus, and he prophesied there was going to be a famine in Judea. He was in Antioch. He was hundreds of miles away, and so they took up a collection. And they sent men back to Jerusalem for the famine. And when they turned up there, people said, what's all this? They said, it's money for the famine. They said, what famine? They said, wait and see. It's coming. Being ahead of the game. You know, it's just a possibility mindset. When when it comes to developing a possibility mindset, I'm always looking to see what word of God am I trusting in. Henry Ford went on to say this, vision without execution is just hallucination. Vision without, we're there to achieve, we're there to actually perform, we're there to do something for God and and he so wants to achieve something through your life. But you've got got to let the word of God find resonancy in your heart. You know, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it says. Why? Because the more the word is in you, the more its power to activate things in your life is going to become real to you. And I've just been on this journey now for years and years and years. But I ask myself a number of questions. When I get what I think is a word from God, Here's what I do, four things that I do. The first thing I do is I ask this question, does this align with God's purpose? So in other words, when when somebody comes to me and say, I think I've got a word from God for us, things that we should do, my first question is, does this align with God's purpose? Because sometimes people get ideas and it's not in line with God's purpose. Uh, Often people will come to me and say, Peter, what is God's plan for my life? And I say, well, the first thing you have to do is knock off the last three words of that sentence and that question because the issue is not what is God's plan for my life that's put that puts you in the center the issue is what is God's plan who's in the center of that world and then how does my life fit in with God's plan how can I make my life fit in so that I'm doing the adjustment not God you get it Every time you're asking the question, what is God's plan for my life, you're putting yourself in the center of that world and you want God to move, to shift everything in line with you. It isn't going to happen. Please don't hold your breath. It won't happen. But if you put God in the center of your world and then you make the adjustments and the alignment, does it align with God's purpose? Here's the second question I ask myself. Do I see enough to move ahead in faith? Do I see enough to move ahead in faith? We've been believing God for a new building. I love the fact you've been gifted this land, by the way. I'm so excited for you. I'm mildly jealous. I am. I'm going to get your pastor to lay hands on me later. Want some of that? Yes, possibility. Thank you, Jesus. But we've been believing God for, for, for buildings for a long time in London. And getting a building in London is not an easy thing. And, and God has been developing my faith. And you know what? I, I'm, for me to get a place is going to be millions. That's just the way it is. I've just settled it. I was, I was complaining about this one day and saying, Lord, you know, why can't it be thousands? Why does it have to be millions? You know, because I've got faith for thousands. But millions. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, Peter, the only difference between a thousand and a million is a bunch of zeros. And that's nothing. Nothing. <laughs> is that good? It's just a bunch of zeros. It's just nothing. You just, you just you need more of nothing. And that's not too hard for the Lord. But do I see enough to move ahead in faith? So we've been believing God for a property. And then a friend of mine who's, who's on the journey to becoming an Equipers Church, he's leading a church in Newport in Wales. And, and he was renting this building and they wanted to kick him out. And he said, Peter, can you buy the building for me? I said, that's really cheeky, Mike. And he looked at me and smiled and said, yes, it is. And I went away and I started praying about it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, if you buy his building, I'll get you one. (laughs) Wouldn't you love a word like that? That's like saying, yeah, you buy that guy a house and I'll give you a house. You know, yeah, you you take out a mortgage for him and I'll get you one. Yeah, right. And it was a real challenge to me, and I went to the Lord, you know, it's like, really? And then I went to the team and I, I talked to the team and I said, Have we got enough faith for us to believe this is right? And we prayed and we talked and we prayed and we talked and we we didn't rush the process, but we all came to the settled conviction, yeah, this was right. So we just bought his building. I'm his new landlord. He is so happy. He's on the front page of newspaper. Everyone's talking about his faith. What a great, go- <laughs> what a great guy he is. What a great leader he is. You know, you know how you can tell when you're not yet sanctified? <laughs> it's when someone else gets the praise for something you did. <laughs> it was me. Theodore Roosevelt once said these words, it's amazing when you can, what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. You can tell how sanctified a person is by whether or not they need to be in the center to get the credit for what just got achieved. Yeah, And so, you know, we're in that journey now. So we bought a building. I'm still believing for a building. I don't have one yet. I don't have one yet. But it's like, people come along to our church and they get blessed. We had John from, um, from the Philippines. Have you met John yet? John Fandano? I, I keep on wanting to call him the Fandango boy. He's just got this funny last name, Fandano. Oh, well, I thought it was funny. <laughs> he was sharing his story about how he started the church. You, do you know that story? okay let me tell you the story really quickly so what he did was he hired a place it wasn't mcdonald's but it was like mcdonald's in the philippines the sort of equivalent of mcdonald's and if you hire the floor you get a free mcdonald's you get free mcdonald's for everyone you come when you hire when you hire the floor so he just went downstairs as people going in he says if you want a free mcdonald's just go upstairs we're doing church there's a church and you can meet all the people in our church if you go upstairs. So there were all these new people greeting each other and none of them had ever met each other before. And they weren't in this church. He said, oh, that's my church up there. He got 80 people. He preached the first night and led 40 to the Lord. And so he started the church. So all these people were greeting one another. They'd never met before. They were all first timers they were saying you've got a great greeting team here he goes yeah I have haven't I (laughs) so he's sharing the story and and how he's moved into a new building and he doesn't have enough money to to pay the rent on this building I think he needs something like 28,000 pounds so the guy on the front row in our church he comes up and he says I'll pay for your years rent wrote out a cheque 28,000 pounds as you do You know, and there's a tiny little bit of me and saying, I want that! I need a building! Let me share my vision! Uh, You know, if you want to receive, you've got to give. Uh, Because the real blessing is, is in giving. And I'm actually so thrilled about that. I'm so thrilled that happened in our church. I'm thrilled that happened in our place. But do you see enough to move ahead in faith? Do you see enough? Listen, let me give you a secret here. This is my story, okay? I'm not going to speak for anyone else in ministry, but I'll speak for me. I have never made a decision in my life based on 100% conviction. Ever. Ever. When, when people go, I'm just 100% convinced. I know 100% God's spoken to me. Good on you. Fantastic. You're amazing. I don't know how you do that. That's brilliant. I, I, I would love that. The best I've ever achieved is probably 60, 65%. <laughs> I remember one time I was appointing somebody into leadership and a guy c- came up to me and said, I think he's the wrong guy. I said, Oh, I think he's the right guy. He said, Oh, I'm 100% convinced he's wrong. And I said, Well, I'm 65% convinced he's right. didn't know what to do with that. He's whoa you, you're gonna do that on sixty five percent? And I said, Well yeah. That's how I make most of my decisions. I said, let me appoint him and we'll see if my sixty five percent works out better than your hundred. That's interesting when that happens. You just need enough faith to move ahead. You don't need 100%. If you've got 100%, that's not faith. Because faith makes up the gap. So so what have you got? What have you got? I remember my daughter was believing God once for a dress. This is another message and a long story. I may have told it. Have I told that story yet? But I remember once um, she was believing God for a dress, for the money for a dress, and, and, and she was really crying because she, you know, we didn't have any money and she wanted a dress. And I said, oh, honey, you know, f- your father in heaven will give you a dress. And she said, is that a clever way of saying no? <laughs> I said, no, 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 you'll, you'll, you'll have a dress. I said, look, whatever faith you don't have, I'll make up the rest. I said, what, do you, what have you got? She said, I've got 10% faith, Daddy. I said, okay, I'll make up the 90 She walked out the room and I got on my knees. I said, God, I just lied. I do not have 90. <laughs> I said, she's, she's a nice girl. She's 14. Don't disappoint her. I said, God, I don't know what percentage I'm bringing to this decision and this request. She's got 10. I know I don't have 90. But I'm asking you to do something special for her. And God came through. Somebody rang up and said, oh, Emma, I've been praying for you. I think you love it when the keyboard starts just like that. It's like magic, isn't it? In my world, that's the secret message that says you got five minutes to shut up. <laughs> it's, it's universe everywhere I go now. Music starts. <laughs> it's like wow. It's just really supernatural. Okay, we got the dress. Here's the third question that really helps me. Am I trusting in the power of God in this decision? Am I trusting in the power of God? See, if I'm trusting in myself to make this work, it isn't going to work. There came a point where Peter started to sink when he was walking on water because he began to take his eyes off Jesus and trust in something else other than the power of God. Is this decision, is this thing you're moving ahead in, is it you trusting in the power of God? No word of God spoken by Him is empty of power. Here's the final question Is there unity with those I journey with so we have a sense we're in this together? For the very first time in leading my church in nine years, I presented a budget to all of our elders and trustees. Where by the end of the year this year we were going to lose 70,000 pounds we've never presented a budget every budget I've ever presented is based on last year's income so we play we're very conservative with the way we handle money but we looked at everything God was asking us to do and we've taken on two brand new locations we're doing three setups and breakdowns every Sunday in three locations and we presented this budget. And the, the elders and the trustees looked at me and they said, Peter, we're going to lose 70,000 pounds by the end of the year if God doesn't come through. And I said, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I said, I feel like we need to move ahead with this because everything I've looked at is connected to vision. And if we cut the budget, we're cutting vision. And I said, and I believe money follows vision but I don't want to do this alone. I don't want you to point to me at the end of the year and saying it's your fault. I said, I want us to be a group together, five of us together saying yes to this. How long do you need to think about it? You know, every single one of them says, well, we trust you and we're in this together. We made the decision. You know, month, the end of January came. Sure enough, we lost 12,000 pounds that month. February came, we lost another 12,000 pounds. March came, we lost another £12,000 it was like, so we had our quarterly review and I said we'll keep an eye on it every month and every month we were kind of losing money and they were saying well how much longer are we going to go and I said well let's go one more month, let's go one more month and when we went one more month somebody put an offering, put a check in the offering for £18,000 pounds And then another person put a check in the offering. Over and above our tithes and offerings of 14,000 pounds. And since then, supernaturally, money has been coming in and we're right back on budget. We're not losing any money. God has been so faithful. No word spoken by him is empty of power. But have you got unity with the people you're journeying with? know if you're a husband and wife together my wife and I we always look to find unity when it comes to money we're always trying to be in agreement together Uh, and she's more generous than me so we always take you know we always go with the higher money when it comes to giving she just she usually is much more generous than I am Uh, and I just think to myself well if there's a disagreement with us between us let's go for the higher figure let's be on the generous side not on the conservative side. But the important thing is that we're in unity when we do it. So we don't point the finger at each other if time gets tough or or things are a a bit uh, difficult. We're not accusing one another. You shouldn't have done that decision. You You know what I mean? No, Christians never get like that, do they? Every single one of you in this room, you're you're believing for something. And I want to tell you, you can cultivate the possibility mindset. But you've got to let the power that's in God's words start finding residence in your heart. And then you've got to know, is that word for an appointed time? I just feel like for some of you today, the word is literally tonight, come. I feel like the Word is come. I feel like there's a now release in the Spirit for some of you who are believing God for some, for, for for some different things. So if that's you and you sense it's a now Word for you and you'll know the Holy Spirit will have been speaking to you while I was while I was preaching, if you feel that's you, just stand to your feet right where you are. If you feel there's a now for you, for what you're believing for, and I don't know what you're believing for. Maybe you're believing for a job. Maybe you're believing for finance. Maybe you're believing for education. Maybe you're believing for a baby. I don't know what you're believing for, but I just feel like there's a now in the Spirit for a whole number of people in this room. And I want to release that over your life. And I feel like I've got faith and I've got authority to do that stand right where you are that's a whole group of people right now that's wonderful if you're near somebody and you can just gently lay hands on them would you please do that father i want to thank you for every single person in this room who's standing on their feet and their standing is an act of faith their standing is an act of confidence in you god and in your word and in your promise their standing is their willingness to say yes to your promise To align their heart, to align their faith, to align their thinking with a God who knows how to provide and knows how to release His promises. And I thank you, God, for every appointed time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. And Holy Spirit, for a whole number of people here, I feel like the fullness of time has come. And I speak to every barrier. I speak to every resistance of the enemy. I speak to every obstacle that's standing in the way. And in Jesus' name, I break your power. In Jesus' name, we are overcome you by the blood of the Lamb by the word of our testimony we declare that our God is great, we declare that no word spoken by Him is empty of power, that our God is the God of all flesh nothing is too difficult for the Lord and in Jesus name I release promises. I release their power. I release their impact. I speak to bodies tonight, and I command healing. I speak to situations tonight, and I command change. I speak to people who are living in disappointment, and I command renewal of the mind, expectation, the birth of hope in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for the good things. And the testimonies that you're going to release in this place. I bless you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.